0: And thine is the kingdom and the power
1: and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I am the senior pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario, Canada.
2: And I'm Marshall. And I'm the associate of the church that he just described and located on the face of the earth. Nice.
1: Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> How you doing?
2: Good, good. Yeah, we're, we're just been, a, I was telling you earlier, just kind of a weird day, just sometimes sometimes your day looks different than they normally do, and you're chatting with different people and doing different things than you normally do. And Adds a little bit of variety, a little spice to life, so that's good. Yeah. Ministry's
1: so. kind of like working for the fire department. Sometimes <laughs> you come in and you're like, yeah, you know what, today's going to be a bit of a slower day, and I'm going to have time to... Catch up on some backlog things and then the phone rings and uh, there you
2: go. And then it rings again. And then it rings again. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I love um, it. I love talking to people.
1: So I have a weird voice this morning.
2: You do? What the heck, man?
1: I don't know. I don't know. People can get over it or they can just like turn it off. And <laughs> like, How dare he podcast with that voice? I refuse to listen. <laughs> Today is hmm. the last of our proofs of God mm-hmm. from natural revelation. Mm-hmm. The the question we've been running with all this these first few weeks has been, does God exist? Right. Can it be proven outside of Scripture? We've been working in that way. We have. And today's the last one, the moral argument. That's right. For God. There are others. We'll put that out.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: There, there are others what we're doing is we're hitting the major ones that if you Google, you're going to find um, these for sure pop up. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the law of diminishing returns, the deeper you dive into some of the other ones, you find that they're more just sort of spin offs or offshoots. I think these hit the, the basic ones. Even arguably the teleological and the cosmological mm-hmm. could be cousins. Sure. So, let's talk about the moral argument. Why does the moral argument matter?
2: Well, the moral argument connects this idea of God's existence with the existence of morality, mm-hmm. right and wrong, good and evil, that sort of thing, right? And so these things matter to people, right? Right? Like, not only does the existence of God matter, but the existence of like justice or the lack of it is a pretty big deal for for most people, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and and you can you can approach you can approach the moral argument a few different ways, but. I mean, one kind of very simple way to articulate it, or to begin the conversation anyways, is the question, can you be good without God? Right. Now, it's the question is not, can you be good without believing in God? Because there's plenty of people who don't believe in God who do good things. Mm-hmm. But, but from a philosophical standpoint, can you just be good without a God?
1: Right. And... The, the thing that kind of sets this apart from the rest of the group is that up until this point, we've been dealing with concrete matters. Yep. Now we're dealing with an abstract matter. hmm Right? Morality as an, as an abstract matter. Mm-hmm. Uh. An interesting thing, because this is still general revelation, we're still capable of using reason, Yep. to look at these things and measure these things. It's yep. still extra-biblical, Yep. right? Not anti-biblical, there's a difference. Yes. Extra-biblical, it's not dependent upon the Scriptures to prove these things, even though they are spoken of within Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, the executive director of the Gospel Coalition Canada, Wyatt Graham, posted just some observations on Solomon, who asked God for wisdom, some of the things that uh, we, we see in Kings, uh, given by that, are the ability to discern between good and evil, which is a bit of our topic today,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is part of natural revelation. Yep. Um, knowing nature, okay. it talks about his ability to discern and understand things like trees and animals right. in a different way. Um, that's natural revelation mm-hmm. to the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, knowing and composing music and poetry, art in mm-hmm. the arts, mm-hmm. right? So, interesting that when we talk about natural revelation, people sometimes want to just sit back on their heels and go, maybe it matters, but most likely it matters less Arguably doesn't matter at all because it is entirely superseded by Scripture. Mm. I would say it is definitely superseded by Scripture. Mm. There's no reason to say that it wouldn't be. Sure. But it is still a gift from God that allows us to examine Him, to worship Him, mm-hmm. to learn about Him. Nature is a part of His glory, it allows us to glorify Him. Mm hmm. Right, and to to recognize his glory, and to to see that argument summed up in explicit things delivered to Solomon, who asked God for wisdom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is pretty powerful, um, a pretty powerful way to say those things. Those notions are true. They do play out even inside of the Word of God to say this is valuable and and good for wisdom.
2: Yeah, I think we should understand natural revelation and special revelation as being complementary, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, we need special revelation to respond to the gospel. We need it in order to be saved, and we're grateful for it because it is specific. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, it, it adds color and depth um, to what is already naturally revealed, right? And so... Um, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I think yeah, seeing the, the, those things as being in conflict as some some Christian groups might um, is just kind of unhelpful, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so when we come into this question, right this this question about morality, right? And you mentioned how you know moral values don't exist like like you know other things in the world, right? They, don't, they you can't like measure them and weigh them like you can like a rock, right? Right. So there's an intangible quality to it. But despite the fact that they're intangible, there seems to be this universal human understanding that there are things that we ought to do now there are ways in which that sensibility of what we ought to do can vary somewhat mm-hmm. between cultures for some people it can be perverted mm-hmm. right right some some people are led to believe that you know killing innocents is what they ought to do right so so we recognize that the human ability to recognize there are things we should do is sometimes flawed, but nevertheless, others would then say that's wrong, right? So like there is there is still this kind of there is this sense within all people that there are things that we should do. If I I should feed my children, mm-hmm.
1: right? Like these basic things, right? right. Um so And and I, I would say if nothing else, everyone has a sense of ought. Yes, even if ought. those even if those don't line up, mm-hmm. the sense that there is a the concept of moral responsibility, right, is culturally universal.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now the question is: Okay, is morality just kind of, is it just really the result of like rules being enforced by people in power, like governments or police or parents or teachers, or is there more to it than just that? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it? Does it? Is it? Is it, is it a rooted? social construct? Right, 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 um, and so, and that's the thing, right? So, a lot of, a lot of people, and maybe we'll dive deeper into this after we unpack the moral argument. But just as a primer, like nowadays, a lot of people, at least when you initially start the conversation, they'll they'll say that morality is subjective. Either mm-hmm. it's each individual kind of determines it for themselves or it's a, like you said a social construct so society will kind of determine its values and goals and and acting in line with those values and goals is moral and opposing those values and goals is immoral and therefore we don't need god to have morality that that's generally it we can we'll dive deeper but mm-hmm. but i think i think i think we need objective moral standards tim
1: yeah, and i I think I think we have objective moral standards. Yes. So I would go I would go further and, and say that. But, but even before we, one of the things that that people who oppose this want to oppose, is that they want to oppose it, like like first from what you said, um, William Lane Craig has this awesome video where he just has this cartoon character named atheist. Okay. Rescue a cat from a tree. And they're like, it's like, see, I can be good without God. God doesn't exist. Right? (laughs) Moral argument debunked. Yeah, seriously. Right? But like you said, the argument is not can those who don't believe in God do good things? Mm -hmm. Not do you have to believe in God to do good? Mm -hmm. Right? The question is does right and wrong exist and do you need a god in order for right and wrong to exist? Exactly. The two ways people want to come at this is one you don't need god for right and wrong to exist. We'll we'll unpack that. Two, right and wrong don't exist. Right. Yeah. Right? And it's just sort of nebulous, we all we all just sort of make it up. I think the best answer to the second one is is just that notion that everyone has a concept of right and wrong. Mhm. Why is there even a concept of right and wrong right e- even if even if we don't have a universal standard of right and wrong, mm-hmm. where do we get this notion that right and wrong exists
2: right and why and and beyond that, not just for ourselves but why we feel like we are able to apply that standard of right and
1: wrong to others right? The evolutionary argument is generally that well, this is just the product of over time, figuring out that we are able to sustain ourselves better by coming together as a community, right? So mm. we are able, if we if we all lived on our own and did what was right in our own eyes, that level of isolation would lead us to extinction. Mm. And then coming together is actually our greater strength. I don't know that that vibes with survival of the fittest. Yeah, like... Okay, so like 30,000
2: foot view, you could just drop that and people would be like, "Huh, okay, sure, that makes sense." But then once you kind of put that under the microscope, a little bit more, right. Right? And and there've been there have been attempts by certain societies in the name of survival of the fittest to do certain things that we would look at and say, "No, that was totally immoral." Yeah. Right? But but from a kind of Darwinian survival of the fittest perspective, why not?
1: Look why at not reality, look at reality TV. Okay. Right. I don't where know where people, you're going with where this. Where people but... are put into these oh, one yeah. on one yeah. who gets to stay, who has to go. Right. People don't do the whole let's team together. They do they do false let's team togethers and then they undercut each other. <laughs> right? Like I'm gonna <laughs> pair myself with someone who appears to be strong and then I'm gonna undercut them or right, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it ends up being this every man for himself kind of a m- mentality. Sure. Which is really kind of the nature of of survival of the fittest. Right. I don't think I don't think the most basic creature if we were going to if we were going to give evolution mm. its proper spin, mm-hmm. the most basic of creatures don't have the capacity to look forward generations down and say what matters to me most is that my line be carried out. Right. My legacy. Right. <laughs> right. Instead, what they think is like, I want lunch mm. and I need a dry place to sleep. Mm-hmm. And you're between me and that. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and that's the way we're. So, so can it just be this thing where, where morality is, is brought to us by experience and, and this cooperative effort through evolution? Mm. I, 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 just don't see that playing with the teachings of evolution. Yeah. I think it contradicts evolution. Yeah,
2: and and so the, and for those who would who would say, okay, it's not merely that, but it's you know morality is still subjective. It's still it's dependent upon the individual. You'd have to ask the question like, well, then how is anyone's viewpoint more valid than another? Mm-hmm. Right, and they might say, well, it's not. You're like, okay. Let's do a thought exercise with that, right? Like like you know, it's not okay. Subjective morality is not like subjective opinions of like what your favorite pie is. Like, oh I like apple, I like cherry, right. I like pumpkin, whatever. What's your favorite pie, Tim?
1: Just Ooh, keep- that's tough. I would probably have to say pecan. Okay. Which that's how you pronounce it. Sure. By the way. Whatever. Yeah. Let's take a side <laughs> let's take a side trail here. <laughs> Where I'm from Mm-hmm. Arkansas, rural Arkansas. At that, mm. Uh we get a bad rap. Like if you ever watch a movie, it, it's it's pretty offensive. Actually, you watch a movie, or even if you were to catch yourself, and I would say everyone should check themselves on this. Like you want to you want to say something dumb, you want to have a waitress say something dumb in a movie. Yeah, they always give them a southern accent. Yeah, it's pretty offensive. That's, right? that's fair. And even even like without thinking about it, people want to make a joke and make a, a dumb statement and let everybody know, hey, I'm just kind of kidding. It's true. They throw on a Southern accent, it's and true. I hate it. That's fair. Um, the most reddest of necks would say pecan oh, yeah. instead of pecan. But here we are in this Ontarian society. <laughs> where grammar is pretty decent I think ontarian grammar has some places that it could be improved these ones oh, drives me crazy yeah
2: there's some of the rural some of the rural stuff I think Ontario English is pretty darn close to movie star English
1: uh, yeah so so non-regional dialect is yeah, what it's called yeah yeah right so as far as the accent the non-regional dialect yeah and which brings with it the presump presumption mm-hmm. of education right
2: <laughs> whether it's there or not yeah
1: <laughs> But everyone says pecan. Yeah, we do. Which just to me is this beautiful irony.
2: Yeah. <laughs> our our necks are red, but it's not from the sun. It's from the sub-zero wind chill. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Anyways, okay. Anyway, so so favorite pie, Okay, probably pecan.
2: Nice. Okay. Um, okay, but so here's the thing. So that's not binding on anyone else, right? So for you to say mm-hmm. the best pie is pecan pie, okay? No. That's not binding on anyone, right? But when we're talking about moral viewpoints, we're talking about like those types of things. Like, if no one's view is more valid than another, then there's no basis for any kind of a law. There's no basis for holding other people accountable. Like, if someone cuts in front of you in line, like, you can't
1: say anything. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a murderer standing in front of the judge (laughs) and then being like, Did you do this? Yes. Did you know that it was wrong? I don't think that it's wrong. You know what? I got nothing. Let it go.
2: <laughs> yeah. What are What are you supposed to do here? Right now, that's an oversimplification, and like obviously, obviously, atheists are going to have better responses than that. But but it's it. But ultimately, like that's kind of the root cause. Like that. That's that's the that's the base level. It's of it. an like,
1: exaggeration, but a necessary end.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So, you know, Richard Dawkins himself, the famous atheist apologist, would say. You know, without a god, there's no evil and no good. Nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That is his. That is his view of morality in the world, which at least is consistent, right? I mean, I, I can I can almost appreciate that more than the atheist who, who who stands firmly on atheism but also will argue for
1: objective morality. <laughs> you know what, though, like who wants to live in that world? Yeah. That's just depressing, right? Like that's,
2: yeah. Uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote that if there's no God, then all things are permissible, right? And I think he's right. Like I, I think, I think he's right. Like I mean, it. Like who, who is anyone to hold anyone else accountable, mm-hmm. right? If we're all, if we're all equal, then nobody has any opportunity to hold anyone else accountable for anything they do.
1: Yeah, he doesn't come out and, and say it. But John Lennon's "Imagine," so many people just want to close their eyes and sing along. Imagine, like, all w-
2: the people. I
1: w- I would just love for Christians, non Christians alike, but just take a moment, listen through the song, and ask yourself the question: You really, w- you really want to back that nonsense? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine there's no heaven, no hell, so there's there's no justice, right? Because that's what Heaven and hell are mm. justice. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, imagine there's no justice and then following that up with the pre chorus. Imagine all the people living for today. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no justice and everyone's just doing what gets them through the day. Yeah. Whatever just gives them the most pleasure in that moment. Yeah. I'll imagine it and I don't like it. Yeah. It's scary. It's gross.
2: <laughs> it is. It would be gross. It would be gross. Yeah. So, so. The Christian perspective is that objective morality comes from God, right? And it's not so here here here's some things you have to kind of lay out because some of the the arguments against the moral argument um, get this wrong. It's not that just because God says it it's therefore good. It's 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 deeper than that, mm-hmm. right? Because God's commands are rooted in his character. He is good, right? Right? And that's why the things that he say, says are, are good, right? He he is just; therefore, the things he commands us to do are just, right? So it's not that it's not just because he says it; it's because they're rooted in in who he is, mm-hmm. right? And so we have a reference point, um, right? So so when we have like love your neighbor as yourself, all of a sudden now we have a reference point: the character mm-hmm. of God expressed in the command of God and to say that, okay, well, being generous or treating others with respect, that's good. Why is it good? Because it conforms to the one who is good and what he's told us, right? So so that's how we get to objective uh, morality. And we can also judge things like murder and greed as bad, things that are contrary to what he has said, these things that he said that are rooted in who he is, right? So so that's, that's the... That is the Christian worldview of right and wrong, the basis of right and wrong, right? That's the objective morality that we have. Not just good because God says it's good, but God himself is good. And the closer that an action conforms to his character, the better it is, right? So one of the examples I found when I was doing my studying was like a, if you want like like a high quality recording of um, a musical performance, right? Mm -hmm the closer that recording that recording is never gonna be the actual performance itself. Right. But the the closer that recording is to the original, the better quality the recording is. Right? So so I don't know, you're looking at me funny because you, you have a weird thing with music, but pe- pe- most people will agree with me. I don't even know know where you're going. But the idea is like the closer that recording is to the original, the better representation it is of that thing. Okay, the right? better
1: representation. So yes. it's a
2: better representation. So the better representation is qualitatively better than one that you can barely understand, you know, you can barely catch the notes mm-hmm. or the melody or anything like that, right? So again, what things are more good they're good or no, they're kidding, they're more good, uh, the, the closer it is that they conform to the person of God.
1: Right. And so so that's that's the Christian stand. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> when when the atheist says we have evolved to the point where we can understand and practice objective morality, because some will argue hmm. it can be practiced. Right? Yep. And they have no reference point for it. The question then becomes how are these things so broadly accepted? Mm. Right? So universally accepted, right? Because by and large, we do have across humanity a universal set of standards. Yeah, broadly speaking. Yeah. Right? So, for instance, the right to human life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the right to possession,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Don't steal stuff. Sure, you may have people who are more communal, sure, and share whatever, right? right? Um, ag- again, with the John Lennon, imagine no possessions. I've always thought that's a great guitar. What if I just went up and said, "Thank you," and then him be like, "Bro, give me my guitar back, or I'm calling the police." I'd be like, "What are you even talking about?"
2: There's no police anymore.
1: Right. John Lennon
2: got rid of it. Um,
1: Imagine this wasn't your guitar because it's not your <laughs> possession, but it is mine. Um, so these universal standards mm. exist and are exemplified. We, we talk about these all the time, right? So, mm-hmm. for instance, almost a year ago, Russia crossed the sovereign borders of Ukraine and not only attacked the nation— but started attacking its citizens. Right. Destroying civilian infrastructures. Right? Bombing apartment buildings. Right. The whole world looks on and says, this is evil. Right. Why? Because we genuinely recognize it as wrong. Now, the knee-jerk reaction is, the whole world hasn't come out to condemn it. Sure. Well... There are also factors behind that. Sure. Right? Factors of self-preservation. Some of these countries depend on Russia Mm -hmm. and can't afford to lose business with Russia. Right. Some of these countries also have similar agendas Mm -hmm. in anti-Western agendas, Mm -hmm. or they have their own plans to do similar things, Mm. and supporting this keeps them from being seen as... Hypocrites later, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're all traceable agendas along this way. Sure, but in no civilization is it just acceptable for a government to bomb an apartment building. Mm -hmm. We look at that as wrong, and and here's my here's my proof that even when even if someone was to say, well, there is an army doing that and a command center of people who are calling for that, so they disprove the theory that everyone thinks this is wrong. Those people justify what they're doing to their own people, Mm. right? Putin goes on to the TV to say, we're doing this because, Mm. or they're lying it wasn't actually an apartment building, Mm. right? That he justifies it or reinvents the situation and how it's going to be presented to his people, is an acknowledgement mm. that there is a universal moral standard, yeah. that this thing is wrong. Right. He has done a wrong thing mm-hmm. and now he has to spin that thing. Right. Right. So even even using him as the example, because cause there's a part of me that thought, well, there can be just this sort of perversion or brokenness, and, and maybe that's the expression of it. But no, he's he's actually playing the game. Mm. He's in the camp with us, or else he wouldn't need to twist what he's saying. Right. It would just be a non-starter. I did the thing, why are you even asking me a question about the thing? Right. Why would that not be acceptable? Right. Right? But he needs to spin it and so he does. Right. So th- so the fact that these things are universal is a real strong point to what what I would say can expand this beyond the abstract and into some more concrete things. Mm-hmm. I think the notion of intuition mm. is proof that there's a god, instinct and intuition. And morality is one of those instincts and intuitions. So mm-hmm. I would expand this to how do animals know what foods to eat?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? How do birds just know how to fly? Right? Like all of these things that, that we see nature just instinctively do. Right. And we look at them more like these are incredible These are incredible instincts. Yep. Science would say these are learned behaviors over time. Mm-hmm. Learned behaviors over time are great. Mm -hmm. We live by many of them. They never become instinctual. They always have to be learned. Mm. For example, Tamil is the oldest active language. People have been speaking Tamil for 5,000 years. That's wild. That's wild. But you know what? Those kids who are born in Sri Lanka still need to be taught the language. Right, yeah. There is no there is no expected period of time where we would say, okay, these people have been speaking Tamil enough, right. that the kids are just going to be born knowing what to do, and they can move beyond the learning of it. Right. Right? That's learned behavior. It never becomes instinct. Mm-hmm. It never becomes intuition. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the broader category of this could possibly take on all of the animal kingdom, and the things that are instinctively done. Right. And morality just happens to be one that humankind shares. Right. This instinctive intuition that is universally applicable. Maybe the details change. Mm -hmm. Maybe we get into concepts of, like, heated discussions over, okay, taking of life is wrong, but what about abortion? What about capital punishment? What about war? What about self-defense? Right. The details can be argued, but... The greater concept, right, is universally understood.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I was so when I was preparing, I I kind of got into this whole idea of like instincts and behavior, but I kind of came at it from a, a slightly different angle. So, so the idea of you know, for the materialist or the atheist, like we're, we're us being simply animals, right? Animals don't owe each other anything, mm-hmm. right? They have no real obligation to one another, right? So, so like if a wolf kills a deer it's not doing anything wrong right it's just acting according to its nature like a wolf right there's no we don't we don't apply any kind of moral positive or negative to what an animal does like it can't can't be right cuz it can't reason that way right it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and in reality like it's just acting according to its nature it's just doing the things that it, it you know is genetically designed to do well so then if we kill another person right if a, if a, a man kills a child He's just acting according to his human nature, right? Like by that same, like again. So, at what point if you're going to do you, apply
1: the standard across right, the board? Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Like so, if we're just animals, right? So this is kind of a, a different kind of maybe a little bit of a bunny mm-hmm. trail, but like, but then how, 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 and what gives us the right to tell anyone that anything they're doing is wrong, right? And we've already kind of said this, but it's just kind of another way of, of bringing it, right? Like,
1: yeah, it shows the moral intuition is something that mankind holds in a different way.
2: We and we hold one another accountable. Right. Right? We feel like we owe it to one another to act in a particular way and not act in other ways mm-hmm. animals don't have that right right it's not that animals can't cooperate in like a herd or something like that but there's not there's not there's not that degree of you know um there's not that that same degree of like owing one another um and so like and the reality is like this whole concept of like there not being any real, such, there any being such such thing as right and wrong in an objective way like we know that this isn't true like we know from our own experience that right and wrong good and evil actually do exist
1: yeah you can't
2: like you can't argue that away like even some of the atheists that I was that I you know I was listening to you know some of them were like okay well yeah obviously like right and wrong exists and then for them to kind of create a framework for how these things could exist without a moral lawgiver, they really had to go down the rabbit trail pretty, pretty far to try and come up with some kind of coherent way of explaining it. And I got to the end of it a couple of times being like, you know, some guy would go on for 15, 20 minutes on how he can reason that there is such a thing as good and evil, but no God. It's like, dude, that's just, that's just a lot of extra steps. And sometimes the complicated, the complicated explanation is the lie. Oh yeah. Sometimes the e- sometimes Occam's razor is a real thing, and because they- it's convoluted, yeah,
1: right. It it doesn't make sense, and because it doesn't make sense, it takes longer to explain it. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it takes longer to explain how to get from here to there because it is convoluted, mm-hmm. right? And, and there there is there is a specific world of thought that tries and to deny the concept of. Of right and wrong in a really bizarre way Mm. that I think is worth noting, Zen Buddhism does this. Okay. Right? Um, By saying, you experience this and you think it's wrong or bad, right? But maybe it's not actually bad. Mm. There's a balance that has to be maintained, Mm. right? A balance of good and bad and the way these things play off of each other sort of brings together the whole picture, the harmony, the yin and the yang uh, of how these things work. One, it it, to me, it feels a bit self-defeating to say you experience these things as bad, but they're not actually bad. There's harmony between the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wait, there's harmony between the what? Right. The good and the what? Right.
2: And is it bad that I'm not recognizing the harmony between the good and the bad?
1: Right. Is that a problem? <laughs> and so I, I'll 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 say this is one of the, the big problems, one of the big theological problems with the movie The Shack. Right. I know it was it was huge a while back. The the purpose of the movie is to help him process the the author process some of the things that he's dealt with in life mm-hmm. and to explain those things to his children. That's the, the premise right. of or the book, the of construct the... of the book. Yeah, um, And the way he go goes about this, at one point, he's gardening with the Holy Spirit, and they're having a whole conversation about why does this dangerous plant exist, and the Holy Spirit tells him, well, you see it as wrong because by itself it is wrong, but mixed with this, it creates this sort of healing thing, and um, you just call things wrong because... They feel wrong to you in that moment or at that time, Mm. Uh, but you've been wrong before, and you've changed your mind before, and so maybe you need to rethink whether or not things are wrong, or maybe they're just another part of good, Mm. right? The denial of evil is a very unbiblical thing, Yeah. right? And so this this Zen Buddhism concept of there's not right and wrong um, is... One, it, it doesn't stand the test of reason. I, I don't even think the atheist who would argue against objective morality mm-hmm. would say, based on the concept of this right. yin and yang, right, right. there's no right and wrong, right? Uh, that a Christian group would cling to that and go, oh, that's so beautiful, and that's just the way God works. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly, death is an enemy. Mm-hmm. It should be mourned. Mm-hmm. We mourn with those who mourn. Mm-hmm. We don't tell them it's all a part of the beauty, mm-hmm. right? I yep. think personal opinion, hot take. This is why we should still do funerals and not celebrations of life. We yep. should mourn. Agreed. Um, because sin is wrong. Mm-hmm. Death needs to be defeated. That's the purpose of Christ, that's the purpose of Christ's redemptive work. Mm-hmm. And so Christians don't get caught up in that, right? Um, outside of the Christian worldview to deny that wrong exists is to look at things like basic human rights Mm -hmm. and to deny them all. Right. If we're not going to, if we're going to say wrong doesn't exist, then basic human rights don't exist. Right. If you're in America, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that's what you want, but who cares if you don't get it? Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's hugely problematic. And, and I would dare say no atheist or agnostic would say right. that's the better world no or or the actual world we live in
2: right now a, a more common perspective would be like the what we mentioned before like the cultural relativism approach yep. right that like societies together collectively decide what is right and wrong like they have goals and 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 values and and things that you know go in that direction are you know th- that's how they define You know, and some cultures, you know, some cultures might, you know, might not do that as well, but they're just maybe not as enlightened enough or or it's a lack of education or whatever. I mean, but what's interesting is like, and I, you know, hate to go to the classics example that everyone goes to, but like Nazi Germany was arguably like Germany is one of the most educated nations of its time. Like Germany historically, when we did the church history podcast, like Germany was the center of education in the 17th, 18th, 19th and into the 20th century. Like it just was like, these people that were brilliant and for all their brilliance, they did some pretty terrible things. Right. And for them, right. It it goes back to this. Well, for their value, like, so they, they're like, okay, like if we, if we're existing to survive as a society, as a nation, we're going to just weed out those that we see as weak in order to be a stronger society. Right. Eugenics makes sense from a secular humanistic view. Like it just does, right? Like from from that sort of survival of the fittest, yeah, survival of the selection f- right thing. as a society, right? Like thin the herd, right? Like why not, right? From from that secular secular worldview, mm-hmm. right? And so that culture, which is like, hey, we see our values are us surviving and advancing as a society. We're going to implement these things that are going to achieve those ends for ourselves, right? So, can we condemn that? Well, you and I can. Right. We can. I don't know how an atheist can, right? Right, because because if the highest authority is the collective minds, right? So beyond just the sub- the subjective, if the highest authority is the collective of an entire society and culture determining what is right, who are we to say that that culture was wrong in that time to do that thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah,
1: you you can't. Would would they be willing to say that's not right for me? But you do you boo? <laughs> right? You you just can't go there with those kinds of discussions. Yeah. I will say I, I don't I don't want to throw the blanket of that over the society as much as the leadership at the time. Not all Yeah,
2: obviously not all Germans, I, I but have, enough of them were a, I a, I a large... right,
1: I just have very deep and personal relationships yeah. with people who were there. Sure. At that time. Sure. Right? Um, Who were like, it was a thing that you just didn't talk about because you didn't want to die. Yeah. Like, uh, you you didn't want to oppose, but you didn't support it. Sure. Um, Oh, yeah. No, and I'm sure... Yeah.
2: Look, look, but still... Yeah. But we also... I, I also... Germany could have easily gone the exact same direction it did without Hitler because so many people in power were... We're we're heading in that direction.
1: We're stepping out of our topic. We saw,
2: yeah. Anyways, yeah. I so it's, we're stepping
1: out of our topic. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna backtrack that and just say, okay.
2: <laughs> anyways. But it's just that's that's again a society divorced from moral values, objective moral values. A society divorced from accountability to God. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like, how how are we to you know, if if there is no God, if there is no um, objective morality? How can we hold them accountable?
1: Yeah, so I think so far what we've proved is um there is morality is a thing, Mm -hmm. it can't be denied. Morality is subjective Mm or sorry, objective. Uh because even when even when people debate morality, by and large we're debating the details. Right. Right? Like that's that's the thing that we have to really come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Is it relative the details? Might be argued from relative perspective, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Is this particular transaction better for you or for me? Mm-hmm. That's a detail, right? The greater concept of fairness in transaction is mm-hmm. universally true right There needs to be fairness, right right um, and so one, yes, morality exists, it is objective. The debates are within the details. I think the philosopher, the sacred philosopher would still say. But you've not yet proven that mm. there needs to be a God in order for this to exist. Right. If not a God, what then is the source?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I like the way there's there's a very there's a very simple kind of method of like the moral argument, which is like if moral absolutes exist, then God must exist, moral absolutes does exist. Do exist, therefore God exists. That's a really simple way. But Immanuel Kant kind of breaks it down a little further, and actually, I like I like how how he kind of where he goes because he adds a couple extra steps. But I think they help us actually get to our picture of God,
1: right? So yeah, because that first one's kind of like those drawing books, right? Where it's like draw a circle, draw a line through the circle. Here's a picture of a cat and you're like wait a minute something happened between here and there right that i wasn't prepared
2: right. for so so he would say say for a discussion about ethics about what we should do right to be meaningful there needs to be justice mm-hmm. right so so justice justice must actually exist in order for conversations about right and wrong good and evil to to matter and if justice is impossible or just imaginary What's the point of being ethical? What's the point of, what's the point of doing good mm-hmm. or not doing good or, or whatever? Like, if justice isn't a concrete, real thing. Now, how can justice be real, though? You know, we don't, we don't have perfectly just societies, right? Like, we try, right? We make efforts, and sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back in some cases. But, like, we don't have this perfectly just society. So there's a problem, right? Some people get away with their crimes. Some victims never get justice. So he said there must be life after death. So he goes, he goes there. He says mm-hmm. because, and in the afterlife there must be judgment, right? For justice to exist, right? And and so, in that judgment must be perfect. So the judge himself must be perfect, not corrupted, you know, not being able to be bribed. So he needs to be a perfect judge with a perfect understanding, impeccable moral character, and the power to actually execute that justice. Otherwise you can't be certain to have justice. And from there, he gets to an omnipotent, omnipotent omniscient, morally perfect God.
1: Right. That's we, where Kant went,
2: and I, I, I like that.
1: I like it too. I want to comment on it in a couple of ways. I want to bring John Lennox into this sure. conversation. We are walking a tightrope mm. between this week's episode and next week's episode Yeah. on this. So, so what we're going to do next week... We've given our arguments for, mm-hmm. I think the rebuttal would be arguments against the existence of a God, Right. not even necessarily the God of the Bible, keep that in mind, mm-hmm. proofs towards the deistic view. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we've been working on. You need to give a fair shake to objections. Sure. I think we've given, I, I, I think if we were going to talk about objections, we would answer them with our arguments for
2: Right, and right. we've
1: addressed some of the objections
2: yeah. in our previous episodes. Yeah, so
1: so if if that's your feeling, if you're like, you're only giving your side of the story, you need to give other sides, I would say, no, the, the purpose in giving what we've given thus far mm-hmm. is in response to mm-hmm. arguments against, mm-hmm. right? And the one exception to that might be the existence of evil, mm-hmm. right, where those who would claim a, a proof of an atheistic view is the presence of evil mm-hmm. in the world. So we're going to handle that next week. Yep. Uh, that Kant's argument for the presence of morality so interweaves with why bad things or bad things can happen to good people. Yeah. Um,
2: might have to bring it up again next week. <laughs> yeah, we, we might.
1: I'm just going to hold my Linux thing for next sure, week because sure. because it's too it's too tight of a, an overlap. Cool. Um But does does justice need to be served? We exemplify that on Earth. We practice that as best we can. Yep. In broken ways, mm-hmm. we we are intuitively aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um. And I would say universally and intuitively mm-hmm. aware of that. Oh yeah. Um, so that comes from somewhere, in a way that other biological things don't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even with our similarities of of DNA, those things are so concrete we can trace those things. Where does the abstract come from, mm. right? And and that's where. That's where I would say it is implanted. It is part of what it means to be an image-bearer of God, Yeah. if we're going to use a biblical standard. I, I believe that the, the evidence is that in the same way that other instinctual things take place, mm-hmm. there is a designer who is not only building the hardware but also programming the software.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: If... Yeah, I like that. That's, that's the best analogy I could come up li- with I'll for like this. Yep. That if we want to take the design theory, um, so far to this point, we spent three weeks talking about the creator of the hardware, mm-hmm. the components, and the computer itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those things just send electrical current
0: mm-hmm.
1: through one another. Mm-hmm. In order for that to actually complete a function, mm-hmm. there needs to be software mm-hmm. to do a job. And I think the moral argument in some ways marries the teleological argument, joins with it and to say, "This is the same thing in that the proof of the the, the proof of the existence of the creation proves the creator. Mm. The complexity with which we're able to consider and examine these things is irreducible mm-hmm. in some areas. And those things point to handiwork. Right. A programmer, right, a writer of the software mm-hmm. in the same way that the other arguments proved toward the constructor of the hardware. Mm. That would be my Yeah, I like that. my position on how this points necessarily to a god.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. And as we get further along, we'll find out more and more what that god is like or why we believe the god god to be a particular way and not other ways, but that's yeah. for the future.
1: Yeah. So so quick map, just for those of you wondering like what's in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um if you if you haven't listened to the other ones, we we talked about arguments for mm-hmm. a divine being, mm-hmm. why we believe that this is rational, um, not just as an option, but as the best option. Right. Uh, next week, as we've already said, we're gonna talk about a, a unique kind of argument against, mm-hmm. which is a heavy one. Sure. And and I would say <clears throat> Some, some might argue that we've been a little bit unfair with those people who would consider themselves agnostic and saying they just don't want to think about things, they don't want to talk about things. And, and the privileged position we live in as a society, being so separated from uh, mortal struggle, right. gives us a little bit of freedom mm-hmm. to throw those things off the table and not think about hard things, because who, who wants to, really? Right. Um, Next week's is one that people think about. Yep. I, I, would say, I would say people do spend some time, even if they don't offer it in discourse at the Thanksgiving table mm-hmm. as a, a reason we should be chatting, um, people think about if there really was a God, then why do bad things happen? Yeah. Um, so next week's is a, is a pretty important one. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we're going to move on from natural revelation into special revelation yep we're going to talk about what the bible is where it came from how it was built why we can trust it Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about uh various arguments against scripture how it compares to other sacred texts and things like that so we're going to talk about the bible as a document yep and then after that we'll move on more towards the bible and its content yeah all right all right, well, thanks for listening. We're going to get you out of class a little early today. <laughs> uh, this podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. is produced by Alex Walker. Talk to you later.
2: See you next time.